Let's, uh, I don't I have no idea what we're going to talk about today, but it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Great show today, guys. Great show. Good show. Um, Go team. <laughs> Go team. Uh, um, so, okay. I'm really excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll break that for you immediately. <laughs> Uh, I have no idea how to. I, is this the show? I don't know how this starts anymore. <laughs> Are we talking about Arrow today? Is that what happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're going to need to go watch three seasons of TV just in order for us to do today's podcast, Lex. All right. So I, I know where we can start. Tim Cook says that the, uh, the iPad Pro can replace uh, laptops or desktops for a lot of people. You guys ditching your your uh, your Macs now? You going iPad Pro only? Throwing it right out the window. Well, I can't because I'm a developer, so <laughs> that's kind of a, kind of a non-starter for me. Uh, I don't know. My kids love the Hopscotch app, and they do a lot of development in that. They can make loops. They can make little characters move across the screen. I think you developers will be fine, guy. Don't worry about it. Eventually, I I mean, I know you're getting, I know you're getting, but he, and eventually, I think you're right. Uh, just right now, I can't run Xcode. So if I wanted to make an iPad app, I can't do it. Are all. you buying a Pro? So, uh, I don't have any plans right now, but I probably will. Yeah, I'm super excited about the stylus. Yeah, that that seems like the most interesting thing. I mean, because even the keyboard, which I think is cool, is also like we've had keyboard cases, right? There are a lot of them out there. And the smart keyboard to me seems nice, but not necessarily like a huge improvement on those. And in fact, I mean, I used it very briefly at the iPad event and I wasn't blown away by it. I think I would rather be using like the Logitech wireless keyboard that I currently use with my iPad. Yep. Um, the nice thing about it is that it is fairly compact, you know, like folds into the into the like screen, the cover or whatever. So it's like, okay, it's a little less bulky than carrying around a wireless keyboard, but yeah, the wireless the keyboard is a little bit janky. Yeah. But the key wireless keyboard is so much is like an actual wireless keyboard is so much better for typing on. Oh yeah. Oh, nine and day. Yeah. yeah. So you mean, uh, yeah. Oh, you, as opposed to, as opposed as to the a, smart as keyboard, to the on-screen keyboard. Okay. Well, no, yeah, I mean, yeah. as opposed to the smart keyboard, which I think is also not as good as just a, you know, you're even using your, like your Apple wireless keyboard or, your the logitech one i have i really like the logic i have a, i think a k811 it like pairs with three different bluetooth devices it's got backlighting its battery seems to last like forever i have to charge it like every six months or something i mean granted i don't use it a ton but it's a great it's a great keyboard love it it's it's definitely bulkier than the ones that fold into like the the screens and i know a few of my friends who have like sort of like uh cover you know keyboard case covers for the ipad but i always feel like those are I don't know. I I've never been super impressed with the keyboards on them. So you trade off, right? Like good keyboard for compactness. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any photos of what the iPad Pro looks like with the smart keyboard closed. It ain't pretty. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, is, is that true? Yeah. Well, it's... I have seen one. I, I've seen it in person, and I agree with Guy. I don't remember it being super, like, it's not like, oh, wow, hey, you can't even tell there's a keyboard there. You can tell there's a keyboard there. Apple it's got, like, show two it. levels, right? Like, it kind of goes, because, like, the way it folds. 
is weird. It creates a triangle, effectively, right, when you put it up the right way. So the way it folds requires that there's like a thin piece and then like a thicker piece where the actual keys are right because like consider you know you're totally right like if you go look at the smart keyboard page on apple site there's a reason they don't show it (laughs) fold it up right if it were super awesome and looked really compact they would be like yeah check out how super awesome and compact it looks because what i'm curious because i I like the concept of it i I like the idea of having a keyboard that's that's easy enough to tote around like that but you know i very frequently take my iPad and fold the smart cover all the way around the back to hold it in one hand and use it. Um, And I feel like that would be cumbersome with this. Like that's not what you're meant to do with an iPad pro. Well, a still works. B I think you're right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what I mean? It's like one of those, there's a physicality to, to this thing. It's bigger. Right. Well, so. And that's why the whole like replace your laptop thing is kind of an interesting because you look at this, let's say, look, compare this to the the new MacBook. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that they're you, you're you're getting very close in terms of things like weight um, and yeah. size. And on the other side, I, I don't know, performance from what I've heard, the 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 new MacBook performance is not the best. Um, you know, there, there are no, sacrifices that were yeah. made. The the MacBook One, like the yeah, uh, if you want to call yeah. it that. Yeah. I have I have one. I really oh, love yeah? it. Okay. Yeah. Do you but uh, you don't use it for development? Do you? Uh, I do in a pinch. Okay. Yeah. How's it? And, well, so one of the reasons I got it was a, our app, uh, didn't perform super well on it on ten ten. What was that one called? Yosemite. Yeah, Yosemite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who remembers well, these I've days? Given up on the names at this point. No, it's funny it. that you it's say just, that because, like, just yeah. uh, yesterday, I was asking some somebody was saying, "Hey, should I buy a new Mac because my 16 month old MacBook Air isn't working well?" I'm like, "Well, your 16 month old MacBook Air shouldn't need replacing yet. Are you running?" Right. And then I had to really pause for a solid minute to figure out what the hell El Capitan was called. <laughs> right. I'm not a big fan of this new ridiculous name every year situation. No, it's no. too hard. On the, yeah, the catch for one thing. Yeah. But I mean, at this point, I'm like, there's just so many syllables. <laughs> are you running? Are you running Mac OS 10 noun noun adjective? <laughs> yeah, just 10, 11, 10, 10, 10, 9. That's that's where I'm at right now. That's my headspace. I'm happy to share it with you. Um, so ooh, I'm trying to figure out what I can say. I was talking to somebody yesterday, last night, who has been uh, using a like a an iPad Pro for the past little while uh and it is lighter than the air but it is in uh it still you were talking feels to like tim cook weren't you <laughs> yeah, was, was tim. Tim. <laughs> tim air tim dog <laughs> me, and, <laughs> me and the old t-dog <laughs> like throwing down running on the treadmill watching a little bit of golden girls and uh <laughs> that is a that's an interesting insight into tim cook's private life there oh yeah yeah, yeah. he's he's into the old school classic uh Sitcoms. Yeah, it makes sense. A good one makes too. a lot of sense. Yeah, totally turned me out to that. Yeah, Blanche is hilarious. <laughs> um, so me and the T Dog were were watching TV, and uh, he was telling me that the um, it still feels like you're it's it's an artifact. You know what I mean? Like you know you know when you you're carrying your phone and it's it doesn't feel like you're carrying an item of any very you know, significance. The iPad Pro is a, still a significant item, but it, it doesn't feel like cumbersome at all. Like it, it kind of meets that midway point between something you can 
manage in your hand and something like a laptop where you're kind of concerned about you know manipulating it and dropping it i don't know i mean like i my my laptop is an 11 inch macbook air which is i think smaller it's the same pretty much the same screen size as an ipad pro right 10 because mm-hmm. they're 10.9 um and you know it's smaller in some ways in some dimensions at least than a macbook uh one and so i, I carry yeah. it around with one hand all the time which is nice because it is so light that you can do that and i find that when i go between that and even the ipad air it's like okay these are within an order of magnitude right like they don't it doesn't feel like one is substantially heavier than the other right but i just the the ipad pro just seems to me like unwieldy from its not from its weight but from its size and i can't tell i mean i only used it very briefly but well it'll it geek benches which is uh whatever like a performance test uh a little bit higher than the macbook one interesting it's like in the class of currently shipping apple portable well and that's that's the weird thing bananas right and not to digress too much from the ipad pro but this this seems like one of those you know the rumor comes out every once in a while that apple will you know is considering building a mac based on its own custom-built chip and stuff like this seems to make that more plausible i mean i think yeah i think None of us would, I mean, I don't know if there's, you know, not to say about any inside knowledge or anything, but I don't think any of us would dispute the idea that somewhere in Cupertino there's a version of OS ten that runs on like an A9, right? There's no way. Uh, You'd be, I mean, I actually don't know. If it, my general well, we, thing is if I do know good? something, yeah. If I do know, I don't say it. <laughs> so, uh, I honest to God. But do you know, think? Do you think it's implausible? Is my no, question? No, it is completely. It is implausible that there isn't one. Right. Exactly. That's why I'm trying to get because you know what would yeah. the Intel transition years ago? Apple clearly is like you know let's let's just have this like even if it's like a break glass before using situation. Right. You know, <laughs> if Intel tomorrow falls into the ocean. We're not going to let that disrupt our product line, essentially. Right, yeah. I'm not a guy known for his strategic cunning. <laughs> I, would, I would also have an ARM build of OS X running. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, and, and it feels to me like when you start, like, posting performance stuff. And, and granted, still, the iPad is a far more... Uh, it's tuned in ways, I think, that a Mac is is not necessarily, like, for specific types of things. They can kind of get away with because iOS is still a little bit more... I feel like it's a little less far-reaching than OS X, which is kind of like a... You know, OS X is like a, like a Swiss Army knife, and I feel like iOS is like a can opener or something like... <laughs> a smaller Swiss Army knife. <laughs> Two sharp things. Right, no, one is like the big Swiss Army knife that your dad used to carry in his pocket, and then the other one's like the one that they gave out at bar mitzvahs and things that only has three <laughs> things on it. Yeah, that was not the most elegant analogy I probably could have made, but hey... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Lex Lex nailed it. At my Catholic bar mitzvah, we got some pretty we got some pretty shoddy um well knives. Yeah. Um one thing I will say is uh, uh when uh the the jump to power PC to Intel was aided by the fact that Intel was some very, very clever engineering, uh was able to emulate power PC code at an acceptable speed. Right. Yeah, uh, that is not yet the case with ARM and Intel. Well, that comes into sort of the problem you were discussing with like developing to a certain extent on iOS too. Is is just like well, they just haven't 
you know, maybe it doesn't necessarily have the capability or power specifically designed for that. That said, if they wanted to make, I mean, I feel like if they're like, I, hey, a priority is virtualizing all this stuff and like translating code, then they could probably pour a lot of resources into that. Well, I mean, if it was like, we need to get this done, I think it would get done. Uh, I don't, I honestly don't know what the end product would look like. Maybe like Franken, would be Franken, like a third. Franken pad. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be ugly running Mac software on on ARM right now. I bet, but oh yeah, I just I was thinking back to that era when you know Apple at one time sold Macs that could do a boot. I was really excited for a second there, Lex, because I thought you said I was thinking back to that era, and I was like, oh yeah, Uh, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which one? Which one? But other like dark man. I can't remember if it was if it was a Quadra or something else, but they had some Mac that could. Run, you know, it, it was built in that you could run DOS or yeah. Oh, there was a card. You talking about? Yeah, yeah. Side. This was before my time. You could have a forty-six card in there on the PCI right. bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really wanted one of those for a while because I really wanted to run all the PC games. Uh, yeah, yeah. You guys yeah. were in in the the Mac ghetto. Yeah, there were it not. Was the, it was the Quadra six ten DOS compatible. I yeah. Believe. Oh yeah, that was such a wacky idea. Wait, did Apple ship that? With oh the yeah. Force? Yes. Yep. Really? Yeah. They I intro- always thought those were just plug-in cards. There were that plug-in cards. There were plug-in cards from third parties as well, but Apple definitely shipped, yeah, one that that let you do that, which was nuts. Wow. And then they had a couple other DOS compatible Macs as well. I never about like you, I was I just wanted one so that I could say I could do everything. Um but I was trying to imagine like I can't see today. People keep wondering. It's like your phone uh, booting Android. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> That's crazy you, talk. You don't put plugins in your iPhone to. There's plug this in fear that you know that that OS 10 and that iOS were going to merge. I just don't see any way it happens. Right? You're not going to dual boot it, and you're not going to rob either platform of what it needs to be that platform. So I just I'm I'm not fearing it. They're not going to merge. I'll tell you that. They're not right going to merge. That's it. See? Yeah. yeah. We have Tim's BFF it's says it's not happening. Yeah, T Dog and me. <laughs> Man, listen, guy, t- I have some good news for you. Playing. By the way, what's that? Uh, which is Lex, I'm so happy that we were together. <laughs> Me too. This is exciting. And by the way, we should we should acknowledge uh, John Moltz has vanished into a puddle of goo. It's it was very sad. We're gonna try to reconstitute him. <laughs> we've we've got him in the we've got him in the freezer. We've it's gonna take a few we've days. Got a bucket. <laughs> but but today's Moltzless episode of the Rebound is brought to you by Canary, a complete home security system in a single device. Since launching earlier this year, people across the world have been using Canary to stop burglaries and other serious incidences. Incidents. That's a word. Incidents. <laughs> um, so listen, uh, they sent uh, me and, and, and Dan one uh, each. We didn't have to share it. I have it set up. Dan has his set up. And Moltz actually has his set up, too. Uh, so it's got built in a camera. So Canary has a 1080p high-definition camera complete with a wide-angle lens, motion detection, and night vision. So you can watch your home live at any time. I was literally uh, on a train to Washington, D.C. yesterday. I went there and back in one day. And I was feeling lonely and sad on the train, like, hey, I wonder what's going on at home. And I got to watch my kids eating breakfast. It was a little stalkery, but it was also awesome. Uh, So Canary's algorithms send you intelligent notifications when something out of the ordinary is happening at home. Since it connects to you and anybody else who lives in your house's phones, it knows, hey, I don't see anybody's phones here, and yet I'm still detecting motion. There could be a problem. So it sends an alert to all the phones so you can quickly dial in and see the video happening at home. So you can see if it's an intruder and you need to do something or if it's just that your your dog jumped up on the table. Uh, Canary has a 90-decibel siren that's loud enough to scare off intruders. It also pulls in local police and fire department numbers near your home, so if you're traveling, you can quickly get in touch with the right people. 
It automatically arms and disarms when you leave or come home, which is very cool. It does that by, you know, syncing up with the Bluetooth on your phone. And you can link up to four Canary devices together in a single location. So it's easy to protect homes of all sizes. Um, you know, the, the best-in-class night vision is awesome. And uh, we just last night we were checking it out when it was pitch black in our kitchen where we have the canary set up. You could still see everything. We could see the dog running back and forth and being like, why won't you guys take me into the room that you're in? Which we then did. Uh, so it's very cool. Start protecting your home with Canary today for just $199. Go to meetcanary.com. That's M-E-E-T. Meetcanary.com. And use the promo code REBOUND to get free overnight shipping. That's meetcanary.com and the promo code REBOUND. Canary, smart home security for everyone. You liking yours, Dan? I, you know, I really do. And I think one of the cool things about it that I, you know, I don't think it's a, got a lot of attention there is it, it also has like a built-in temperature sensor so it can track right. how oh, like cool. cold it gets. So you, And it shows you like a little graph over time. So it lets you know if like your heating is working and where you're, you know, if you're losing, if you're, especially in, in colder climes like New England, you know, it's like, oh man, my, clearly I need better insulation in my office. Uh, and it also tracks, I think, humidity and air quality, which is also that's pretty right. cool. So that's a, I, I feel like that's a pretty cool stuff. I set it up. I like that it, you know, uh, also lets you set a mode for when you're at home because you can also have it like you can have it continue to run the video camera when you're at home. But if you find that kind of creepy, then you can also just have it in a privacy mode where it disables the camera and microphone when you as long as your phone is detected to be at home, which I also think is pretty sweet. Not not to riff on the ad because guess what I did not get one of these things, <laughs> but <laughs> but I've heard you guys. Uh, you know, did this ad read a couple of times. Uh, Canary is a terrific name. It is. A, it is a good name. It's spot on. Like, I, I love it. Especially if you live in a coal mine. Yes. Which, which Molt actually does. Which I does. do. Yeah. <laughs> Molt, actually. Man. But no, I, I, uh, I was excited to get it, and then I got it, and it lived up to all of my expectations. So it's, it's actually pretty... Pretty great. I was very impressed, actually, with the video quality streaming to my phone, even when my phone was just on cellular. Yeah, it is. It is pretty pretty good, I have to say. Yeah. So for, yeah. I haven't had anybody actually break into my house to really test this. <laughs> um, I'm on my way. I'm on my way, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I just double booked. You know that those job. guys who make like um, you know, the ID protection, and they're like, "I'll publish my social security number." Oh yeah, that's how good my ID protection is. So Dan Moore invites you all to try to break into his home. <laughs> I live at uh, one two three can't. Main Street. That's yes. right. Let's, who do we really hate? Let's get it in your address right there. Yeah. Fortunately, I do the editing. Uh, I live in English Town, New Jersey. No. Uh, um. Well, thanks to our our sponsor. That was that's pretty that's pretty great. Uh, I was yeah. going to mention something about uh, the Apple TV. Mention it. Uh, so this weekend I find, I decided, you know, I had my old second generation Apple TV sitting around after plugging in the new one. So I took it to my parents' house. Um, and they don't, my dad has been trying to buy an HD TV for the living room for about 35 years and has not yet succeeded. Um, but they have a small, uh, HD TV in their bedroom. So I hooked up the Apple TV there and I'd started setting it up and it was just, I realized a, how bad the setup is on the Apple TV and B how much the, I feel like the new one didn't really improve on some of the really bad pain points of the original, um, which is to say the amount of time you spend doing the, okay, I'm going to use, I'm going to watch ABC. Okay. I'm going to open a web browser, go to this URL, put in this code, log in with my cable provider. And then finally the app starts to work. And you know, 
it sucks. It's a bad experience. And it's not just that it's inelegant. I think when I really sat down with my parents and was trying to like sort of walk them through using it and realized, okay, I have to activate these apps. I'm just going to do it while I'm here. Um, was realizing how much of a barrier to entry it really is for people who aren't tech savvy at all. Like, you know, watching my, my dad's eyes sort of glaze over after the, okay, get your, you know, he doesn't, he got an iPhone fairly recently and he still really doesn't know what he's doing with it. And so, you know, trying to walk him through the process of, okay, you would get your computer, or your iPhone, you would type this in, you would go to this site, you would type in this code, you would log in with this. Remember the <laughs> password to this? No. Okay. You have to look up the password to the, and it's like, they're just not going to do it. They're not going to do it unless I'm there to set it up for them. And like, yeah. And, and you know, I feel I feel bad about it because it made me realize, like, sort of from an outsider point of view, like how just how how much of a problem it is. Because I get annoyed when I have to do it, but I know all the steps that I have to do. And I feel like this is the big problem for me with the Apple TV is that it feels. And I wrote a post about this on on Six Colors this week, very briefly, that says like, you know. Essentially, I feel like we're waiting for the other shoe to drop because this as a box in and of itself feels kind of like a half done approach to this where it the idea is, you know, OK, we've got the box, we've got the platform, we've got the software, but dealing dealing with content is still just a nightmare. Well, so I'm glad you brought this up because I read that piece uh, and I've I thought it was garbage. Up. No, I've got to beef with you. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah, no, take, take I feel free. Um. I'm not in. Okay, I I disagree with the premise in in a in a in a way, but I'm curious to hear Lex weigh in on the issue. Do you have a new Apple TV, Lex? I I don't have the new Apple TV. I um okay. I'm I'm content with the numerous set top boxes we already have. So okay, so here's my question. Um, Dan, if anything, I think it was my opic to focus on the Apple TV because I think setting anything up these days is a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. This is not a problem unique to Apple, I guess I should say. Yeah. Well, actually, it is in some ways. I I know that I'm I'm a homer for the Roku on this show for whatever reason. I think that Roku really is good at this. I haven't tried the new Apple TV, and I like a lot of the things that it's described as doing. But when I get a new Roku... Um, I log into my Roku account, one account, and it has all the apps that I had on every other Roku all logged into themselves. So you don't need to re-log in or re-verify your TV? No. All I have to do is log into my Roku account on that Roku, and it's ready to go. It might be that you have oh, to do that's one great. code. So you get like, a single sign-on like for ABC? Yeah. Or, and, well, yeah, okay. And, like, and, okay, and therein lies my problem is Apple should be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, totally agreed. Yes. If anything, I'd say that they don't get to do that because they're apple but and i they're like such a big dog that everybody plays hardball and like you can't make a deal i said my flip side for that is twofold one there are a number of the services that now let you buy stuff through i you can buy your hulu or netflix subscription directly through itunes which is clearly yeah, a much me, better I, I, it may not work i mean i don't know what the situation is in canada honestly like it may not be that that that's not available there but it is <laughs> it's uh, a husky brings you your netflix <laughs> dvd actually escorted by mounties yes um <laughs> but i mean i guess i feel like okay is that this is this comes into into contact with what i think is one of the like not so great apple policies which is the whole like in app purchase 30% of subscriptions etc which I think yeah. is, uh, I always thought was a terrible policy decision and smacks of yeah. like Eddie Q kind of just doing what he wants to do. And it doesn't really, it doesn't, 
it, it seems that it it actively hurts users because it act, yeah, I understand what they're trying to do and say this is we're uni- we're making things easy and we're saying that you use this single you know system essentially sure for doing that. purchases. I'm not sure about that because I'm not sure I I can. I agree in a lot of ways in that uh, I loved Comixology, and now I can't effectively use it on my app, iPad. Um, at the same time, it's not clear to me what the network effects are, right? Like the ability to play a hardball where it's like, well, we, we'll just give the middle film gear to, to Amazon. Maybe that works out as a net win. Maybe it does, but right now the users are the ones caught in the crossfire, and that's that's oh, what I find. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't like the word crossfire because it sounds like a war. I'm going to be like, yeah, well, maybe the the consumer will ultimately win, but I, and I don't like that the, the imagery of that because it's companies vying for money effectively, um, but. You need to bring some kind of power to the negotiating table, right? Right. Yeah, I, I feel like it's yeah. – And the Apple, ability to walk away is – that's a lot of – Yeah. Apple can't weight, stand right? on the yeah. excuse of, well, people people don't people don't want to work with us because we're so big and, and tough. Like, I, no, I no, think no, if, no, no. I think, I think iTunes got good uh, and great because they were the, the – they were a tiny fish in a very big pond, right? Right. Yep. And I think that the media world is very aware of that. <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't want to feed that fish any more than they have to. Which is, again, you know, it's a challenge. Absolutely. And that's the other part of this is not just the iTunes purchasing thing, but the fact that I think because they have clearly been spending a lot of time trying to negotiate a subscription TV service, if the rumors are to be believed... Uh, I, in theory, such a service would probably provide a much smoother sort of on-ramp process for this kind of thing, much more like what Lex is talking about. Essentially, you'd sign in with your iTunes account to a subscription service, and then you wouldn't have to necessarily worry about any other logins. Right. And in so, theory, all they have to do is, is support effectively Keychain <laughs> on the Apple TV, and then it can all be tied to your same Apple Which iPhone. is another thing that I think, you know, and I wrote a piece about that last week, which is uh, I was kind I of surprised. I can't with all the things you write, man. Come on. I'm a busy break. man. Um, but no, but I, you know, and I had several people saying, well, doesn't Keychain only work for the web, which I think is maybe true, but. It does. Well, I mean, apps, can, apps that use web views can tie in to your keychain, right? And things that use one, like one password wrote an extension that you know lets them that lets apps essentially access your your password database. Um, so I don't think you know. Yes, that might be the way that it's currently set up. Saying that that's impossible is is just silly. Like obviously, if they wanted to make that work, yeah. they could totally make that work. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I it just strikes me as possible. Like, I mean, it's software. Everything's I, possible. Exactly. And I, I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to be unfair to Apple, certainly, but I'm picking on them here because they are usually very good at this kind of thing. And this is a case where it feels very clunky. And it may be that some they're you know on par with other competitors, but you know the unfairness of it all is we we have a higher bar for them. Right, because they're usually pretty good at delivering. Okay, that's on this good, kind of and I and I don't want to sound like I'm defending Apple, but I mean, have you tried to set up an iPhone recently? 
Uh, iPhone 1 was like three screens. iPhone whatever it is now, 80S, is like, it's, it, forget about it. I mean. Yeah, I've, I've set up a number of I, iOS devices. Cause, you mean just those initial opening questions of, you know, do you want to enable location services and do you want to use Siri and do you want to use Touch ID, that stuff? Yeah. And I understand uh, why they ask them all. I mean, it, it got more complicated, go right? There's a, like, it's getting more and more complicated, yeah. But I, I don't know what the alternative is because when you're trying to be so transparent about what I don't you're either, doing. Which is my point. Yeah, I would say, like, the iPhone setup process, I feel, <laughs> is handled much better and for uh, maybe obvious ish reasons than the Apple TV setup is. Because with the iPhone setup, even though there's a million steps, it's really well written. And there's always, you have two choices you can say yes or you can say no. And if you say no, you're not really breaking anything. Right? That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with the Apple TV, it's like, if you want this to be usable, you must do these things, because otherwise this is a pretty boring device that doesn't connect to anything. Okay, that's uh, true. But, I mean, what... So, for me, I may be confused because, uh, well, A, drinking. I'm a dummy. I'm easily, <laughs> I'm easily confused. Uh, and I spent a lot of time with... Um, developer releases where I entered everything manually. But the last time I did it, I did it, uh, I just held my iPhone over the well, device. Okay. Yeah, and I'm and not necessarily worked. talking about just that. I had to that. type in one password, and people are going bananas. I'm like, that... Oh, I see, here's the thing. seems I'm, to me that that's I, I'm making a distinction. Good. I'm making a distinction here, which is to say, yeah. yes, that part of it worked okay for me. I know other people, I think for Jason Snell, for example, he had some problems and it wouldn't let him just do that as simply. Yeah, yeah that, that was sucks. That, that was fine. Yeah. But when you yeah. get to the part where you're installing third-party apps and have to go through the entire, like, rigmarole of what I just described with, like, activating all of those, that's not covered in any of that. That's an entirely mm-hmm. separate thing you have to do. So once you log in, you've got, like, those, you know, you can access all your local content, essentially, which is great. You know, I, I can access my iTunes library. I can access stuff that's stored in iTunes on my computers. Uh, I can access, like, the iTunes movie store, TV store. Fine. If that's all I was using it for, great. But when you start bringing in the third-party apps and trying to access Hulu or Netflix or, you know, uh, ABC, NBC, Fox, that kind of stuff, it, it quickly becomes like, I mean, I spent my first two hours downloading apps and typing things on that stupid freaking remote. And let's not even get started about, like, the lack of support for Bluetooth keyboards or the remote app, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. unfathomable. I just don't, I don't understand that at all. Okay, well, okay, we can get to that. Um... <laughs> well, let's get to that. But before we do, I, we have one other advertiser to acknowledge, and it's one of everybody's favorites on this show. Dan, do you want to sing it? Is it is it our jingle? Yeah. Soft layer. They deliver a cloud <laughs> built for privacy. Your business applications and computational workloads are unique, so you deserve cloud resources that meet your specific needs. You do. Give this gift to yourself. SoftLayer is one of the only cloud providers that provisions dedicated servers and virtual servers from a single, seamless platform. All on demand, all connected to the same open API, all connected to a global private network, allowing you to scale your workloads up and down quickly with ample space for your storage-intensive tasks. SoftLayer is an IBM company. In fact, IBM uses SoftLayer as its cloud infrastructure foundation for all IBM cloud products and services. Even if you're not looking for infrastructure, you can benefit from software infrastructure when you use platform or software services for IBM Cloud. All of our listeners, that's mine, Dan's, and Guy's, have the opportunity to get $500 of cloud infrastructure by visiting softlayer.com slash podcast. You can order bare metal servers, virtual servers, storage, networking, and security devices from your choice of data center. Softlayer has 24 of them around the world. All of those servers 
and all of the services are connected to SoftLayer's unique network of networks, which separates public, private, and management traffic, ensuring the traffic to and from your cloud infrastructure travels more efficiently. You can automate and control your cloud infrastructure with a granular API, or you can use their easy-to-use SoftLayer customer portal. Visit SoftLayer, S-O-F-T-L-A-Y-E-R dot com slash podcast to get started with your $500 off servers, storage, network, and security on a cloud built for privacy from SoftLayer. That was a little harmony on that one. That was nice. That was nice. Oh, I, I appreciate your your your... your you're, you're, I don't even know what I want to say. I appreciate your wrong headed. No, I appreciate that we, we can have, we can have a discussion about this. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've had some gripes with the remote too, which I think is for the most part pretty good, but I have some like, I have some minor issues with that. Well, um, orientation is an issue for sure. That's a, <laughs> I, it's just puzzling because especially every time I pick it up, the shiny part, which is like, oh, there's a glass touchpad on this, must be the shiny part. It's not the shiny part; it's the matte part. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. That was weird. I, I. Well, do you even look at it, really? Because I try I sometimes. TV in the dark. <laughs> because I hate myself and I don't want to see anything. <laughs> Did you say you watch TV in the dark? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, like every night, I we we watch TV with the lights on. Every night, then right before I go to bed, I take the dog out one last time, and he's annoyed because he's been sleeping. He's like, "Why'd you wake me up to do this?" Right. And I, the neighbors are always watching TV in the dark, and I'm like, "Man, if I did that, I would never watch any TV." Like I, I have to really? fight so hard to stay awake to watch TV anyway. Um, okay, just so I'm tired. that's kind of my point, though. Uh, I also watch TV to fall asleep. <laughs> okay, I see. I feel like my eyes start to hurt sometimes when I watch TV in the dark. It's too bright. Depends I guess. what I watch. If I'm watching Mad Men, uh, that's just an amazing work of art for me. So, uh, so that needs the lights off or on? I, what, what does that mean? Off. It's like okay. cinematic, is what you're saying. Oh, oh I cinematic. See. Like, just give me this and just let it soak into my eyes. Uh, if I'm watching something I don't necessarily care about or the the audio is enough, then whatever. I don't, I don't care when I watch it. <laughs> I need the lights on since I always have my laptop there too, and I don't want to have the, I don't want to have the, the bright lights of the laptop illuminating my face in a dark room. I need the lights on because I get scared. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I'm watching something really scary, like you know, the Muppets. Right. The Muppets are honestly. No, I, <laughs> give it a little bit of thought. The Muppets are terrifying. <laughs> I I really don't want to think about it that much. Don't don't. Um, Don't. You will never sleep again. (laughs) Kermit is coming for your soul. Uh, I do think you're right that they're like figuring out which way to pick up the remote is one thing. The other was that I I actually got the volume stuff to work with my receiver, which is nice. And I will, you know, caveat this by saying that my receiver is literally from the mid 90s. It was given to me by by my dad when I was a teenager and it still works great. (laughs) It thinks a tank. It went to college. It's moved to like half a dozen apartments and it is a nice speaker. It's just like a you know stereo receiver, and so, so it doesn't you have. You got, it to, you got it to work. You had to take extra steps. To well, you had like... to train the remote because the basically okay. you need to train the Siri remote to do like uh, use IR because by default it's a Bluetooth remote. And if you have, yeah, the... mine just worked with IR to my TV. But yeah, um, yeah. if you have, yeah, because you're using the TV. I, I, I bought a TV. I didn't. I honestly. Sight unseen, I bought a TV that Syracuse had told me to buy. 
and I dropped <laughs> on your own personal like wire cutter about two thousand dollars. I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, Syracuse says it's okay. I'll do it. Um, and but it works with the remote. If you have so. a modern TV that, and, and I do have a TV, but that's fairly new. But it, the sound doesn't come through that; it goes through the stereo. Yeah. So. Oh. I, yeah, that's the problem. Okay. Is it, it's a different device, and because there's no yeah. HDMI connection, because HDMI had not been invented at the time that this receiver was built, um, <laughs> it can't be smart and detect that. You need to actually train it, which is very easy. Yeah. I, I have to say, like yeah. that was fine. Yeah, Gubuta had to do the same thing with his uh, whatever. And, and it was. It was I tried. Yeah. yeah, I tried for a while using the the feature where it can control, like switch to the right input when you hit it, and turn your TV on and off. But again, the problem with that is it won't control the receiver, um, so I have to turn that on and off separately, at which point I'm using two remotes anyways, and I have stuff that I want to do on other inputs on my TV, like use my Xbox, which means I'm using the TV remote again, and so I think I've decided I'll probably just go back to the Harmony remote, which I had been using, uh, and then use the Siri remote when I'm only when I'm using the Apple TV. Also, I think it was causing some weird glitching thing where I would watch stuff, and it would just start like... Not quite flickering, but it would like think that I had just switched to the Apple TV input, but while I was already on the Apple TV input, <laughs> and it would start like doing that like in rapid succession, like three or four times, and so I turned off the like control your TV feature, and so far it's been okay. So I'm wondering if it's just that's just kind of glitchy. Does does the Apple TV remote communicate via Bluetooth? Yes. Interesting. Okay. As does the the Fire TVs is similar, but it has an IR emitter so you can use it oh okay uh, in fact if you pick up as i did at one point if you pick up the old apple tv remote the little silver one it works right out of the box like you don't need yeah. to set up anything yeah and i think even the old white ones work almost certainly because they all use i mean I, infrared technology is, hasn't changed in like 50 years what, what i would be curious about is can you train an ir learning remote to trigger the siri functionality <laughs> i'm gonna guess no See, I think there might be a microphone problem. <laughs> yeah, um, that would also be but, an issue. Because, like, you could, in theory, train universal remotes to control the Roku, but I like the Roku remote so much that I, I don't actually use a Harmony because I don't like... Most of the Harmonies these days are, are touchscreen, so I use a different one that's, like, very button-centric. Yeah, I have um, one that's also got and, mostly buttons. I be Harmony seems like a great idea that's half a solution. Oh, it's, it's oh, also yeah. a terrible implementation. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. The, the one that I have, I just love. Like, it's, it was like 20 bucks off Amazon or something, but it's, you know, it's full of buttons. It, the buttons are all different shapes, and you can program it to do anything. Like, it's got the automated ones, but you can also just, it's got, you know, multiple IR receivers built into it, too, so that you can just train it with a remote to, you know, this button should do this and this button should do that. But I keep the Roku remote separate anyway just because it's, uh, it's, it's so tiny, and it, it does exactly the Roku things I want it to do in the right layout. So it's like, well, I'm the, fine with that. The, um, the universal, the universal one you have is a is a harmony or is not? It is not. I'll look up okay. what it is, okay. but it's you know it does it does the same concept of you know push one button to turn all yeah, the things on sure. at once and all that stuff. Well, and I, I like certain things. It's just that the harmony software is the Logitech software for that is really bad, and the mm -hmm. harmony remote has way more buttons than I need on it. I would love just like a really simple one, especially one that's like more like I don't use like the TV functionality of my TV that much. Like I don't watch right. live TV. I want this something that's laid out for media consumption, um, and I would love to have a small simple universal remote and if i ever make a kickstarter project that's what it'll be <laughs> so 
What? Okay, so what was wrong with you, the old Apple remote, the, the silver one? Well, Lex hated the fact that there was no dedicated home button, which there now is, but I get confused and hit the menu button all the time. Yeah, that it feels <laughs> like that should be at the bottom side of the device, like, a, like an iPhone. And I also don't understand why they have... I mean, the menu button is clear. It is labeled. The home button looks like an AirPlay button to me, which is super confusing because um, I always forget I that's what it is. incomprehensible. I yeah. don't know why that is. Um, yeah. The the old Apple remote, the biggest problem, I mean, I've, I never had any problems with it. It was so simple that it was easy to replace it with a Harmony because I could make a Harmony do all the same things very easily um, because there weren't that many. There's basically the Harmony has a D-pad. And then it has a center button, and then there's a back button I can use as the menu button, and a play pause button. And it's like, I can, I can emulate all of those functionality. There is no reason for me to use the Apple remote. There's one less remote I have to use. Isn't the Apple... Okay. Isn't, isn't the problem with the Apple remote, the old one, uh, that the software couldn't drive your entire system? I mean, that's... Switching a, inputs and switching... That's an, a problem with it, but, I mean, yeah. it depends... Well, neither can the new one for me because I'm, uh, you know, no, no, I, no. I don't know if I'm an edge case, but yeah, I just don't want to get into the nuances of the of the new one. Like a like a D pad with like two buttons seems like it should be able to drive a pretty robust system, right? Yeah, but how do you? I mean, you end up doubling up with functions or making functions that are hard to discover, right? Like, how would you switch inputs on that? Uh, well, I mean, okay, just picture an iPod for the TV. Right, like you'd you'd go up to the top level menu and then picture like picking one of the HDMI inputs. Yeah, I guess I don't know. It seems. Oh no, I was just gonna say my objection to the to the remote, the old remote, is the same as my objection to frankly to the um the headphone control button thing, which is that it's non obvious how to use it. I know some people really like the Dan Frakes's of the world really get into the. The, the the controller that's built into Apple headphones and you can make compatible ones now. So, you know, double click to skip a track and triple click to go back. And it's like, I can never remember what it is. So I never, ever use that feature. And I know I'm not alone. There's plenty of people who get into it. There's plenty of people who are like, I have no idea. And like, I can do that. I mean, I can use an Apple TV. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But it's, you know, I, if I, my my parents and my wife and my friends are all very you know intelligent people but they can look at the apple remote and be like what do i do to do this and they can look at the roku remote and they're like okay i totally understand because it's like the d-pad looks like a d-pad and well, uh, you know the the home button says home on it it's the, just, the it's problem just like i ran into when you know trying to walk my parents through using the old apple tv was that like even a d-pad for them is kind of like advanced technology frankly like honestly they i mean so you consider it this way the old apple tv interface to a certain extent the new one but a lot definitely the old one um the closest mimic i could think of in terms of the ui is it's kind of like the original ipod right it's a hierarchical menu there's like a selector and like you know you go down levels and then pick things and so all of us who learned how to use that, you know, using an Apple TV is fairly straightforward. Menu goes up, select goes down. Um, but they had never used anything like that. I mean, they and, you know, they're they use computers and they use my mom has an iPad and iPhone. Uh, but that's that's kind of like the next quantum level, right? Like jumping back to like the iPod level is like, OK, this was this weird sort of in-between state that wasn't like abstraction of keyboard and mouse or direct interaction via touchscreen. 
Uh, and so for them, you know, that was, it took a little bit longer to explain, okay, look for the blue highlight on the app that's currently selected, move with this thing. And, you know, they started to get it by the end, but it was not intuitive for them um, in a way that it probably would be intuitive for much of most younger people who have grown up with those kinds of technologies. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I don't disagree. I also don't necessarily know that, uh, I think you designed for the future. I'm not. I'm not arguing with that, and I like. I like most of the new Apple TV remote. Like I said, I have some like sort of minor, you know, idiosyncrasies that I'm not a huge fan of, like the orientation or the home button. But like overall, it's good. I like the scrubbing with the, t- the trackpad. I actually think that's pretty well implemented. I found it much easier to seek for a particular place in a video with that than I have with any other oh, remote. Night and day, like that's. <laughs> Has the remote app still yeah. not been updated? As a no. not a new Apple TV customer, I don't know. Is uh, the remote no. app still not updated? And it's unclear. No. I mean, I had heard at some point from someone, I don't know, maybe you guy, <laughs> that there's yeah. basically <laughs> like one one person who who it's, built it's, that app. Uh, yeah, don't don't worry about that. That was not a good <laughs> I, it's, it probably you know, I was, will, but because you know, people were like, What the hell? But uh that was not an intentional the company never put their weight behind that. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it always to me, it seemed to me like a side project for someone yeah. else. Like yeah. you know, Dan turned me on to the Amazon Echo, um, and so I use. Uh, I I just discovered last week that they added support for uh, LifeX light bulbs, LIFX light bulbs, of which I have several, and you know they're a huge competitor, <laughs> and uh, so just today I was telling Alexa, hey, you know, turn on the. LifeX lights. It was how like, do you, okay, how, I how do you trigger Alexa? Uh, oh, you have to say Alexa's name, which is either Alexa or Amazon. You can choose which. Um, so I say I'm Alexa. Just trying to cause trouble at this point. <laughs> oh, I get it. You say Alexa or Hey Siri. Uh, but so, um, but so I was saying Alexa, you know, turn on the lights, and I was thinking how the new Fire TVs, and I guess an update to the old one makes it so that they work with Alexa too. And I, I like what Apple's doing in that, you know, Siri is what's powering the Apple TV. And it feels like we're, I don't know, one to three years out from it really being all connected. Like, you, ideally, you want to be able to be anywhere in your house and say, hey, Siri, did the Eagles win last night? And any whatever your nearest iOS device is, is like, hey, I can... <laughs> <laughs> How many did you just trigger? Um, mine. Um, just one phone. But I, I want it anywhere in your house. You triggered one phone and about 100 people that don't care about the year and the, the, the Eagles winning. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I, I feel like they have, to, they have to be aware of each other. Like right now it seems like the Apple TV does not know that your iPhone also has Siri and that they could, in theory, work together. Not oh, the way man. that the Apple Watch is Have you tried getting FaceTime like calls recently? No, uh, where all of your devices ring at once? Yeah. Know? Yeah. Phone, I get and that for phone like, calls. I get, like, my Mac rings, my iPad rings, my iPhone rings, my... Your watch is uh, tapping you over and over again. It's ridiculous. Like, and I miss phone calls. I, I, How do you- almost every time I have to call back because I'm, like, I'm trying... You get so panicked that you're paralyzed? Like, I which, curled which up underneath the desk. <laughs> well, <laughs> even if I try to answer with one, it's, like, run out by the time. And... If you answer on one, it'll tell you on the other devices, like, uh, missed FaceTime call. Yeah, that's that's sloppy. That should, that should be... I didn't miss it. I 
we just had an hour long conversation. So, <laughs> yeah, and I think that the um, for me, I often also have the weird thing where it's like it's if it's an unknown number, I'm generally googling it. <laughs> because like i'm not gonna yeah, answer the phone and so like i'm sitting there and it's like everything's yeah. beeping and tapping and i'm like trying to look up whose phone number it is i, I will say i'm really pleased with that feature in nine or nine whatever it came out where it'll check your inbox to see if it can figure out the number from that because like somebody with my kind of job i get many many emails and many phone calls from people who i don't know or whom i at least don't need to add to my address book because i'm going to talk to them for like two weeks while they're planning an ad campaign and then they're going to vanish for six months. And so for my phone to say, this is probably so-and-so from this company. It's pretty great. I, I, it doesn't work huge. enough for me because I guess I don't get enough emails from the, it's mostly spam calling. That's the thing. It's like, it's mostly things I'm <laughs> never going to answer. I know this <laughs> is spam. <laughs> I'd like to offer you some Viagra. <laughs> uh, thanks spam. I'm good. <laughs> Call you again in five minutes. <laughs> All right. See you then. Hmm. And I had a guy call me up the other day and say his name was Spain. But <laughs> probably, probably just a coincidence. It was a trick. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure that wasn't just like the Canadian pronunciation? <laughs> Could be. I don't know. That's how they uh, curry favor. He wanted to sell me quality time on a treadmill next to Tim Cook, though. So <laughs> Good deal. You should take him up on that one. Oh, man. It's good that guy knows Tim so well because, like, when John's he not dark. here, we, we don't have our connection to... You know, he normally is our connection to Apple management through his friendship with Phil Schiller. So it's good that Kai can cover us with Tim. Yeah. He's he's P-Doc. You guys only knew the names. <laughs> so I'm just trying to fast forward 50 years, right? And, you know, it's it's very sad, but Tim Cook has passed at this point where, like, people are complaining about Apple post-Tim Cook. And, like, well, this never would have happened if T-Dog were still alive. <laughs> <laughs> such a weird show <laughs> this this was like it didn't even start on the rails we pretended to do a show and it do you mean this particular episode or this entire show it's funny i really meant both